Okay, well, good morning, Sprague House. There's going to be a sliming, apparently. Um, and and when, you, uh, when you go to vote, remember, my name is Kevin O'Day. <laughs> yeah, just wanted to be sure that you, uh, that you knew that. This last week, we've been trying to uh, reach out to, um, well, really, to everybody at the church. And if you are not someone that we've been able to contact, it's because we don't have your contact information. So if you um, would like for us to, to reach out to you and contact you just to, just to see how you're doing, uh, be sure everyone's healthy, be sure you have everything you need, uh, please contact the church and call the secretary and let her know what your number is, your email, uh, that sort of thing, so we can reach out to you. Well, as Kim was saying, Miss Kim was saying, uh, we're going to talk about why do birds fly today. We do have a couple of uh, scripture verses, so uh, I'm going to put these up and uh, you read them with me. Good will come to those who are generous and lend freely, who conduct their affairs with justice. That's the Old Testament verse, and here's the New Testament version. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the power and the life and the grace that are in your word, and I pray that your word would reach our hearts, would touch our hearts today, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Shortly before Christmas, uh, December the 23rd to be exact, 1776, not this past one, but a few years back, a man named Thomas Paine published um, a track called The Crisis. And it opened with this uh, memorable sentence, these are the times that try men's souls. And that same phrase applies to our current situation today. Uh, I read this past week on the BBC about a young man who was taking care of his, uh, his mother. She was a cancer patient. And he had ordered um, a supply of toilet paper to be de delivered um, uh, for his mother because uh, she obviously was in a situation where she, where she needed certain things, and the, uh, the delivery was stolen. Yeah, maybe some of y'all read that as well. It was not the young man nor his mother whose soul was being tried at this time. It was the, the soul of the thieves being proved for what they are, you see. A thief uh, may steal because he's hungry or because he's desperate, are in deep need, but uh, toilet paper? Petty, small, pathetic. Those are the words that come to mind. Um, we're going to talk this week about why do birds fly, and that may seem like a, a strange introduction to it, but it, but it it connects. These are the times that try men's souls, and we'll get back to that in a few minutes. But why do birds fly? Well, there are at least three reasons. There may be more, but these other reasons are probably known only to birds. And 
uh, since I'm not one, I, uh, I only know three reasons. But uh, So let's do Why Do Birds Fly, part one. Uh, this is part one. They fly because that is what they were created to do. So what were you and I created to do? Well, we were created in God's image. Uh, we were created to be like God. You see, sin is falling short of the glory of God. Uh, sin is falling short of our purpose, what we were created for. And when God, when God punishes sin, it's not because he's angry with us. It, it's because of what sin does to us. And his punishment is better than actually what sin does because sin robs us of our purpose. It robs us of our very souls because it robs us of what we were created to do. And when I say that we are to be like God, I'm not talking about some um, pop theology doctrine that touts you the things you can do. Uh, if that's all we get, then we become shriveled, sad souls. That's, uh, that's what Lucifer got out of it was the desire to be like God and be able to do stuff. But before God entrusts us with the power, he needs to implant some far more fundamental things about his nature inside of us. And what could be more fundamental than John 3.16? For God so loved the world that he gave. Now, I want to I stop right there because if that phrase stopped right there, and the rest of the verse wasn't, how would you complete it? How would we have completed it? I mean, you know the verse now, so you, you go ahead and complete it. But assume you don't. Assume that you've never heard of the Bible and someone comes along and tells you God loved the world so much that he gave. How would you finish that sentence? Oh, he gave sunshine. He gave rain. He gave fruit. He gave food. Uh, he gave natural resources. He gave uh, companionship. He gave life itself. And those things are all great, but that's not how that sentence gets completed. The way that sentence gets completed is so far beyond what we could have possibly imagined. He loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son. Gave himself. Uh, there was a man named Kenneth Ware, and I'm, I say was, I assume he's passed on now. He wasn't a young man when I first encountered him 40 years ago. But uh, the Lord had done a lot of miracles in his life, and I had heard other preachers preach about the miracles that had been done in his life. So when I got the opportunity to hear him, I was pretty excited. He came to our church, and he spoke, I think, for four nights or something, and, uh, and others in the church had heard about the things that had happened, and they went, oh, Brother Ware, tell us, tell us about the miracles. Tell us about the, the, the things that God has done. And he got up, I don't know, third or fourth night, and he said, uh, many of you have asked me about the miracles. Uh, well, I want to tell you the greatest miracle, the greatest miracle that God has done in my life. God gave me Jesus, gave his one and only son, G gave himself. So simply put, God 
is focused outward. God, God is a giver. He, he is focused out. The, the enemy is, is focused inward. And so whenever we look out, whenever we're, whenever we're focused on others, then we are acting out the nature of God. And whenever we turn inward and we become focused on ourselves and what, what we have and what we need and what we can get, then we're, we're reflecting the nature of, of the enemy. Introspection has its place, but you know, navel gazing doesn't, doesn't lead to godliness unless it somehow turns us outward, unless, it, unless we're somehow released to give ourselves to others because you were created to give. Last week, Kevin shared about how Jeremiah, and you for that matter, but how Jeremiah was known by God before he was born. But there's even more. Let, let's, let's look at the, the verse that he was referencing. It's, it's, it's Jeremiah 1.5. It says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Now, now this particular verse, we've kind of co-opted and made it basically all about abortion. And I, I guess you could apply it to that because God does know each one of us before we're formed in the womb. Uh, he knows, but I won't go any, any further than that. But, but literally what he is saying there and what we need to apprehend for ourselves is before you were born, I gave you away. Peterson says this in his, in his book, um, Run with the Horses. And, and the series that, that we're doing right now is, is, is taken from ideas drawn from that book. You say, are you preaching his sermons? Uh, no, he didn't preach this sermon, but the ideas are drawn from that book. This is one of the things he says. He says, we are given away to our families, our neighbors, our friends, our enemies, to the nations. Our life is for others. That's the way creation works. And so birds fly because that's what they were created to do. And we were created to give, to be generous. Well, why do birds fly part two? Uh, the second reason that I know of why birds fly, there's another reason. And it has to do with the times that try men's souls. And it's very simply this. They fly because their parents made them. Peterson uh, tells a story in, in uh, his book about watching uh, swallows with their young chicks. Uh, and he watched them over a, a period of several days, several weeks actually. And uh, for the first few days, uh, first, first couple of weeks, the parents would bring the food and the chicks would eat and, and the parents would bring the food and the chicks would eat and the parents would bring the food and the chicks would eat. And, and then the day came when uh, the parents lined all the chicks up on a, uh, on a branch and started scooting, scooting them over. And they would, they would fall off the end of the branch. And as they fell off the end of the branch, they would began to go down toward the ground. And then all of a sudden they would discover... They had wings. They could fly. And, and he got to the last one. And the last one was a little stubborn. I, I don't know 
you know, if that one went to Springhouse or was one of us. But the last one was a little stubborn and just wasn't going to come off of that branch. And the parent kept pushing and kept pushing. And, and the chick finally fell under the branch but still had, had its talons attached to the branch. And the parent began to peck at the talons until it finally had to let go and start flying. God does something similar with those who are his. Uh, I remember years and years ago hearing, hearing a short parable that stuck with me. When I say years ago, I mean probably 50 years ago. Uh, that just stuck with me. And the parable was this. Two people were down at the altar praying. And, uh, and, and the person telling the parable was saying, and Jesus came in. And the two were down praying, and Jesus went to one and knelt down beside that one and put his arm around that one and seemed to be whispering something in, in that one's ear, and then got up and started to leave. And, uh, and the person telling the parable talked to Jesus and said, why did, you, why did you go to that one and you ignored the other one? And Jesus said, oh, I didn't ignore the other one. The other one knows me well. The other one knows my presence. This is the new believer. Hasn't learned to hear my voice yet. So I needed to go to him. Trying times come and they push us off the branch. That's what they're designed to do. Anyone can proclaim faith when things are going well. Anyone can love their neighbor when their neighbor is lovable. Do you have a neighbor who happens to not be lovable? Do you love them? Anyone can be generous when it doesn't cost them anything. When David stopped the plague on Israel, he said, and he bought the field from Aruana, the Jebusite, uh, to make a sacrifice. And Aruana uh, tried to offer it to, to David. David said, I won't offer God a sacrifice that doesn't cost me anything. Anybody can be generous when it doesn't cost you anything. My parents used to, used to sing a song. My parents used to sing. Um, my mother could sing. <laughs> uh, my dad had some pitch problems. Uh, and when I was, but, but it didn't stop him. It didn't bother him at all. And, and when I was younger, it was, it was embarrassing to me, actually, that, uh, that it didn't stop him, that it didn't bother him. But now that I'm older, it's, uh, I'm glad that it didn't stop him, that it didn't bother him. Anyway, they, uh, they would sing this song uh, that went, You can have a song in your heart in the night. After every trial and after every mile, anyone can sing when the sun's shining bright. But you need a song in your heart at night. Probably not going to make it to the top of the CCM charts or, uh, you know, get a million views on, on YouTube or anything. But I've been thinking about it all week, and it's just been kind of staying in my in my spirit. These are times when you find out if your faith is real. 
if your love is real. These are times when you find out if you're a giver instead of a taker. And and Psalm 112 says, let let me remind you, we read it. Good will come to those who are generous and lend freely, who conduct their affairs with justice. Good will come to those who are generous, who lend freely. I, I have found this to be unfailingly true in my life. Will some people disappoint you? Yep. Oh, uh, you sure? Yep, I'm absolutely certain. Some will disappoint you. But that's on them. That's not on you. I have never in my life regretted any time that I've been generous. I have never regretted any time I've given something away, given myself away. There are times I have regretted not giving myself away. When I was, I don't know, 12 years old or something, uh, there was a man in the neighborhood named Mr. Beller, and uh, Ralph Beller. And, and Mr. Beller, my dad had worked for him when we first came to Millersville, and, and he had helped our family quite a bit. And my dad had, had bought the lot that he built our house on and, uh, and everything. And, and Mr. Beller had built a house next door. Uh, it was a rental house. And he, uh, and he was trying to put a, an air conditioner in. Now, in those days, putting an air conditioner in meant you opened the window and you lifted the air conditioner up and you put it in the window and you shut the window back down. Uh, and I, I was out in the yard. I was, I, was, I, was, I was throwing a ball against the house and, and catching it, which is what I used to do a lot. And I remember Mr. Beller coming over to me and asking me to go and help him put that air conditioner in the window. And I didn't. I didn't want to. I wanted to throw the ball against the house and catch it. Now, you know, I was, I don't know, I was 10, 11, 12, something like that. And so that was 60 years ago. But it's a regret that is with me to this day. Wish I'd said yes. And then there's, then there's, there's 2 Timothy. It's the other one that we read. And, and I hope they've put this up. Let's read it again. Command those who are rich in this present world to, be, to not be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, which richly provides us with everything for, who richly invites, uh, provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good. To be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. We are certainly finding out just how uncertain wealth is in these times. Millions of people losing their jobs. And and my heart goes out to them. really does. But the wealth is so uncertain. And and many who are not losing their jobs, you know, taking taking pay cuts, some of them pretty pretty drastic pay cuts. And and what it does, it's it's the end of the branch. We kind of get shoved off on, and it it helps us uh, to focus not on a hope that is uncertain, but on a hope that is certain. That the writer of Hebrews says is an anchor for our souls. Regardless of whether you think you're rich or not, everyone can be rich in good deeds. Don't have to have a lot of money to be rich in good deeds. 
Do good. Be generous and willing to share. Because if you are, good will come to you. And you don't have to be afraid. God will, will not forsake you. Two weeks ago when I preached the sermon on fear, uh, Paula Parker came up to me after the, the, the service and she didn't know, you know where I was going in, in two weeks or this, I don't assume she hasn't read uh, Peterson's account, but she was telling me about, uh, about looking out her window one day and seeing these, these baby chick birds fall down to the ground. Ka-plunk, 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 ka-plunk. And they were, they were scampering around on the ground. These weren't swallows, obviously. I don't know what they were. They were scampering around on the ground, just kind of like, well, what do, you know, what do we do now? I mean, we're down on the ground now. And then she said she saw the mother fly down and land about three or four feet above them and just sit there. And slowly, the chicks, one by one, as they were scampering around on the ground, would kind of realize, hey, you know, there might be a better way to do this, and would fly off. And the mother stayed there until the very last one flew off, and then the mother flew away. God is watching over you. Peterson finishes up his story about the swallows by saying the the mature swallow knew what the chick did not, that it would fly, that there was no danger in making it do what it was perfectly designed to do. And when God, when these times that try our souls come along, there is no danger in doing what we are perfectly designed to do. Be generous. Give. Why do birds fly? Part three. It's the third reason why birds fly. They fly because it's what they're created to do. They fly because their parents make them do it. And I presume, now this one, I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm making some presumption about what birds think. But, uh, But I know what people think. And I presume the third reason is they fly because flying is fun. Peterson says, birds have feet and they can walk. Birds have talons and they can grasp a branch securely. They can walk, they can cling, but flying is their characteristic action. And it's not until they fly that they're living life at its best. Gracefully, beautifully. You were designed to give, to be generous. Because you were designed in the image of God. And that is life at its best. That is a life full of grace and beauty. These are trying times, but God is hovering above you. He's walking alongside you. These are the times that... that that try our souls, but what that means is these are the times that remove the dross and leave the pure silver in our lives. My dad, boy, I, 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 you know, pardon me for saying this because I, uh, I I shouldn't, but I'm going to say it anyway. And just being honest, you know, when I was a kid, I just wanted to smack him every time I heard him say it, but he would oftentimes say what, what we need, what the church needs, what the country needs is a good depression. 
And he was one who had gone through the depression. And what he meant was, dross gets burned away. And the silver rises to the surface. If you want good to come to you, then be generous. Lend freely. You were created to be a blessing. And you can still have some fun. In fact, it's a lot of fun. Have you, have you ever had any fun giving something to somebody? It's the most fun there is. It's a kick. Make a difference. Back in 1708, a man named Isaac Watts wrote some lines, a paraphrase, actually, of one of the Psalms. And, uh, and his organist in his church, Isaac Watts was a, was a minister. The organist in his church, William Croft, put, it to, uh, put a melody to it. It went like this. Oh God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come, our shelter from the stormy blast, and our eternal home under the shadow of thy throne still may we dwell secure sufficient is thine arm alone and our defense is sure they wrote that in 1708 and since that time, we have uh, gone through, as a nation, a revolution. Uh, the burning of the White House in the War of 1812. Civil War. Spanish flu. Two world wars. The Great Depression. And here we are. He's not only our help in ages past... He is our hope for years to come. And he is our eternal home. These are the times that try men's souls, but uh, be not afraid. We're going to uh, go to the table now. Uh, On the night when Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, he blessed it, He broke it. He gave it to his disciples. He said, this is my body, which is broken for you. And then he took the cup and he said, this is my blood. The cup of the new covenant, my blood poured out for many. Um, In Nashville, if you ask a really, really great guitar player, you play guitar. He'll invariably say, I play a little. When Jesus says, poured out for many, (laughs) that many is way beyond our comprehension. It reaches through the millenniums in all directions. It reaches to the billions of souls. And that's just the tip of the iceberg that we can comprehend a little bit. And so, the body of Christ, bread of heaven, blood of Christ, cup of salvation.